Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of The Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is... Glenn. And we have a special guest, new to the show, not as a listener, but as a, as a, a, a personality. We have Mr... Neil. Neil is an old friend of ours from, uh, from high school, and also a Star Trek fan, which is appropriate because today... We wanted to do a very big, deep dive into hopefully a show you guys have been binge-watching during quarantine, which is Star Trek Picard. That's right. Patrick Stewart actually didn't he, – wasn't he the one that insisted that they make it available for free during quarantine? I Honestly, I didn't hear about that. I mean I – it's kind of funny, but like I, I pay for CBS All Access. I've been looking for a reason to like get this, and Picard became the reason. Because, like, when Discovery came out, I waited till Blu-ray, but I didn't, you know, there, there was no other things on there. So now that Discovery Season 2 is on there and I have Picard, you know. Yeah, I, I want to say it was, like, right around the time quarantine started, Patrick Stewart did something where anybody could watch it. Because, you know, different play, people were doing c- certain things. So it, it was readily available and free for a while. I'm not sure if it still is, but I know it was for a while. Yeah, And I, I tried something First different. Time. Yeah, I tried to watch it as it came out, almost like we used to watch Next Gen as children, you know, where, mm-hmm. where it would come out. One, so I was watching it every Thursday as it came out. So, yeah, I paid for like 10 weeks of CBS. For, That's exactly uh-huh. what I did. I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't wait. Yeah. Good morning. That's what we did when we woke up before we went to work. We would uh, watch that. So it's kind of fun. Um, so the first thing that I, I probably want to talk – I mean you guys are both Star Trek fans is, um, first of all, does this make CBS all worth it? It made it more worth than it, what it was before. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have paid for it otherwise <laughs> during this time. Yeah. Right. Because, um, yeah, I mean we, we kind of – I mean this is, I, I don't know if CBS is going to come after us, but a couple of us have, have shared Greg's password. <laughs> and have been watching it. I know nothing about any of this. <laughs> but um new information. <laughs> so but but now what you got two up two seasons of Discovery, one episode of one one season of Picard. Um I mean that's all the and then like do, do they have every episode of every season of Star Trek on there? I'm reasonably certain they do and I think they have some of the movies. <laughs> okay. It's really kind of weird because, like, the, the – I mean, HBO Max is coming out. And I, what I, from what I understand from HBO Max, if you have HBO Now, you'll get upgraded to it if you have it subscribed on Apple TV. But that's the only one I've heard so far. But HBO Go, for some reason, you don't get HBO, which seems to be ridiculous. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about yeah. – about, Yeah, about CBS. But – um. I mean, I think fans, like hardcore Star Trek fans, it makes it almost where you can't pass it up, especially, you know, such a beloved character coming back. Yeah, yeah. that was the big, the big draw for me, too. So uh, what do you guys think of just the basic premise when you heard it initially of what the show was going to be? I was excited just to get more of Picard's story. Because, it, you know, we saw a little bit with the movies, but we haven't really seen him since Daddy. Nemesis, I guess. And it would be it would be Daddy. great to, you know, finish that character out. So, yeah, that was what I was looking forward to. Yeah, that absolutely. That that was a big one. And plus just something 
like the next chapter of the story because I actually enjoyed the 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 reboot cool the the J.J. Abrams verse or the Kelvin timeline is what they call it but it's kind of cool to see like the next chapter after after Nemesis with uh you know the such an iconic character and I don't know the way Patrick Stewart he kind of was very transparent that he didn't want this to be next generation part two he wanted to be something very special so that got me really excited and and I'm I'm kind of gonna echo you guys like I, I think for me Star Trek's all about moving forward and while it's great to see the past and the prequels and this that and the other thing I kind of wanted to see further along in the timeline so you know up till now like all I've had is Star Trek online in the books so which I read more of the books than I really expected to but yeah it's uh, it's been kind of nice to have that Plus, I mean, we originally weren't supposed to be included, but they have a couple visits, which we'll get into spoilers momentarily. Um, but we have the first episode, Remembrance. As pilots go for a series, what do you guys think of that pilot? It was intriguing. Yeah. It, it started really strong, I thought, though, to kick off the series. Uh, it was different. It, I think it's at the stage of it being different than the next generation or, or DS9 or Voyager or anything like that. Yeah, I would agree. It had kind of a feel of, which, funny enough, Patrick Stewart being included, of Logan almost, where, you know, it's just, it's not the same Picard you saw, and it was a little jarring at first, but it was a very strong episode, and it kind of, it really, I don't know, it really hooked me wanting to know what happened next. Uh, I'd echo that. I'd also say, like, we have a lot of examples of series, especially ones that we love, like where time has passed. And when you see the character again, they want to do something unexpected with it. And what I would say about this is while the Picard we see is not in a, in a spot where I would have expected him to be. I like that very quickly he's slapped out of it by meeting uh, this young girl. Basically, she like you know, he, he has the line where he's like, uh, I, I, you know, I haven't been living. I've been waiting here to die. And it kind of like snaps him into action. Sudden you get the book card that you know, and it's like this this revelation of him where it's just like the thing I've been mourning, I've become a, a shell of my former self. I'm mourning the death of the Federation and the death of Data, and basically I, I'm not doing anything about it. Right, and that was Dodge was the one he meets in the Dodge. pilot. Correct. Thank you, because I was I was about to say Soji, and that's not correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that, that would be an an easy mix up. <laughs> And, and we're in spoiler territory right now, right? We're, it's a, right, okay. absolutely. So, just remind me because it's been you know a while ago since I saw the first episode. That is, she she dies in the end, right, of the first yes. episode? Yes. Correct. Okay. So, yeah. and I thought that was a really interesting choice because I felt like okay, I'm kind of getting to know this character, and then bam, she's gone, and it just it, it felt like okay, they're they're really setting the stage for something different to be going on here. Uh, I was also a little confused because I thought I saw her in the trailers to the to the series, and I thought, wait, wait, where's she going? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's actually a very good point. Um, the trailer, I mean, you knew a lot of stuff that like some uh, some appearances that were going to happen from the get. Yeah. And I like that they didn't try to pull the wool over our eyes. With there was still enough there where you knew some things were slightly off. Like the, just the appearances in the trailer of Data, we saw him in old uniforms. So we knew that something was was a bit different about that, um, and you know we kind of saw that throughout the course of this this, se- this season. But like, uh, there was a lot of characters that got me curious in the trailer that kind of bore fruit. 
And that brings us to uh, the second episode, Maps and Legends, where we actually get to have some more time with Dodge, but also uh, the Rock Cube kind of fascinated me. The, um, what did they call it? It was artifact. The, um, the Artifact. That's right. And uh, is, is that the one when he goes to Starfleet headquarters? Uh, I believe so. Take a look. Yeah. Brought up. Because um, he gets to Dr. Gerardi and uh, he he talks to Rafi again. Okay, because uh, that one was a little, I don't know, I, I was, that was unexpected when he was doing that interview with the the journalist that kind of you know throws him on the on his side, and then like the weird cursing at Starfleet headquarters was just very. <laughs> it, was, it made you be okay. This is definitely different than what it was. It's uh, it's kind of funny you mentioned that speech in the first one, but it had echoes of his uh, first contact speech, but with a different – like a twist to it. Well, right. He was obsessed with the line must be drawn. Yeah. He was actually like uh, you know, being defensive of the Federation, not single-mindedly trying to get something. And, and one thing that I thought was interesting, especially with the, the subplot with the Romulans, well, I guess I mentioned before how I liked the J.J. ones. It almost made the villain in the first though nine Star Trek Nero a little more like you can understand why he was so mad at the Federation once you see what happened <laughs> with with Picard going you know and them abandoning Romulus. Yeah. yeah they, they weirdly I feel like I wanted to go back and watch Nemesis. It's not my favorite movie um, of the of the, yeah. of the. It's probably not a lot of people's favorite of of, of all of them, but. I felt like yeah, it tied in really well to some of those things, and probably did. It would, I think, it would seem different on on a reviewing of of that movie. Uh, Which, and I, I, I'm glad you said that because um, that's one thing I guess I got to give Paramount credit for. Um, Nemesis wasn't universally loved, and I'm sure they had. Um, I guess they were tempted to just kind of sweep that plot kind of under the rug and kind of ignore it. And they didn't. They just kind of um, they kind of embraced it and said, "All right, this happened. Let's move on. You know, it's the next chapter, kind of thing." Yeah. Yeah, and in a way, it, it it helps. I feel like the story is you know it's about Picard, but but there's we'll get into it. I guess there is so much data in this, and and Nemesis is such a you know a final point for data. It was it was good to see that revisited. Well, I think if there's a dyad to this series, it was always Picard and Data. And we, we, you know, you had in the in the original series, you had you know Kirk and Spock had Bones thrown in there. But uh, I think in this one, it was very much Picard and Data. I remember when uh, we, when Wizard World came around here and we were supposed to meet uh, Patrick Stewart. The original photo op we got was supposed to be with him and Brent Spiner. And when <laughs> when Patrick Stewart dropped out, they replaced him with John Delancey. So it was Q and Data. All right. <laughs> Yeah, and, Which, and and funny enough, I was just you know, I've, listeners of the regular show know I, I mentioned before that I embarked on a giant quest of uh, cleaning up my garage, and I found an old eight by ten that was autographed by Patrick Stewart when I wrote him a fan letter back in the nineties. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we um, well, I was gonna say uh, to to watch this show so i watched it with my wife because she and i watched discovery together she wasn't really a star trek fan so before i watch before we sat down to watch this i we watched um two episodes of next generation uh, measure of a man 
so we could understand the the data, you know, the human and the Bruce Maddox stuff. Right. Um, and then uh, was the other one Q who, and, and it wasn't because of Q, but it was because it was the introduction of the Borg. And I thought, you know, maybe this is relevant because I saw a Borg cube in the trailers. Right. <laughs> we should probably know them. Um, so, yeah, it was actually when you say John Delancey, I just, you know, I, I have fond memories of him. And we and I almost feel like it was part of this series in a way because he he yeah. he was the one who threw them out there to see the Borg. I mean, not this series, but, you know, the whole story arc, I guess. Yeah, sure. And canon. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. I never I never I forgot about Q. Q who that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the third episode was called The End is the Beginning, and it's basically where we're introduced to uh, Rios, and uh, we kind of learn who the executive director of the Borg Cube Reclamation Project is. So first off, I have to say, uh, if if your opinion is that you did not like Rios, you are incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Rios a lot, actually. Um, I could do without maybe one or two of his holograms. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, first of all, the, that actor like is criminally underrated. Like I remember him from Heroes yeah. uh, and a couple of things. Like he is he is phenomenal to do that full range of accents so well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like his character, like to we this this whole series is a lot about PTSD. Yeah. And it was I mean, kind totally. of another character uh, in what hit the effects of PTSD were on him. Full credit to the actor, yeah, and, and, and Rios as well, the character. Um, both were, were great, yeah. Um, yeah, when when he was introduced first, I was like, I don't know, I, I got very, I'm like, is this going to be like Star Trek's version of Captain Jack Sparrow or something like that? Because, I mean, when they introduced him, remember, he was like smoking a cigar with shrapnel in his arm, and he was just, <laughs> I'm like, this, this is very, very interesting for an introduction, but then... Yeah, when you get to meet all of his different holograms and then some of his backstory, you're, this is a very thought-out, <laughs> interesting character. And, uh, of course, we get the uh, the appearance of Hugh Borg, um, which I don't know about you guys, but, like, I knew it was coming. Like, I, I, I was like, oh, that's who that's going to be. But it didn't prepare me for him appearing on screen. Looking the way he did, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. And then, like, I, I've been, you know, I did some research and I found out that the, the actor that plays Hugh, he's actually uh, Jonathan Delarco, I think. Him and Jerry Ryan are, like, extremely old friends, apparently. Oh, wow. And they kind of consulted each other on, you know, what this next stage of being an, an XB would, would entail. And I think they're the ones that kind of came up with the idea of comparing it to almost like a former child soldier in uh, in Africa. Yeah, the whole XP storyline. I mean, it, there's points at which I think why I I feel so even well, it's much later, but you know when they're just ejecting the board. All right. Yeah. Thing, I, I'm thinking, wow, I feel bad for the board. I'm like, wow, this is just like to to have the writers be able to sort of take my viewpoint and shift it so substantially. <laughs> pretty good uh, well it's it's kind of funny too because like Hughes from a different or that dealt a little bit better with it when they got disconnected from the collective but you're talking about all these people that lost like complete contact and there there's no organization and again it's that ptsd so what hugh does is he tries to help other people but some of these like i don't know why Ron can't like be assimilated and not uh unassimilated so well but it's like the larger implication too that you know except 
because all of these, uh, the, the, now that synthetics are outlawed, she only half synthetic. So it forces her outside of the Federation. What do y'all think about that plot line with the banning of synthetics? Because that's one thing that I know a lot of hardcore fans pushed back a lot, saying how, I don't know, it was very unfederation, which, I mean, I think was a deliberate choice, but it's it was kind of interesting. I'd do it with this. Uh, Section 31, the introduction of Section 31 period, was right. their anti-federation. And kind of the, the mindset of, of introducing it was that, um, this was a group that was founded and it works outside of the Federation. So, I mean, the, the Federation is only as good as the people in charge. Any ship is only as good as the captain. So right. that mans it. So I, I kind of know why would not assume that, you know, if, uh, I mean, we see that in government all the time. If the wrong person gets in charge, it happens. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it felt like it was a little bit of a, you know, Star Trek has always commented on contemporary, and it felt a little bit like it was commenting on the idea of, of sort of an, an overreaction with too simplistic of a view. Oh, here's how we solve this. Let's just ban synthetics. Like, that's going to work, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And what did y'all think about, I was just looking at the cast, um, the guy, Harry Treadway, he played Narek, the um, Romulan that was kind of seducing Soji. What do you think about that relationship? Uh, Cuz I was going to I was going to talk about it in the next episode. Oh, okay. Uh, he's also another like, very I, I haven't seen him in anything else. But the whole weird creepy like Cersei Lannister and Jamie Lannister vibe with him and his sister <laughs> uh was interesting. But, like, he's another one too where he was like the black sheep of this family and he's got that like that religious zealot passion. For let's you know take care of this and his way is just you know uh, because he's so how uh, he gets swept up in the emotion falling in love with Soji it, it just it, it yeah it's just an incredibly well written character yeah, I agree I th- I think that character was was one of the more especially since he has so, a bit of a turn near the the end of the series. Uh, it felt like that was one of the more thought out characters, you know, along with Rios, maybe um, besides Picard and, and the standard gen, next gen crew, the, the, the idea of, uh, of this, this guy coming in and, and I, yeah, I, I couldn't, you really couldn't tell if he was really fully playing or if he was actually in love, if he would. So I think the actor did a great job too, of kind of balancing that. I was, I just really wasn't sure, you know, throughout the whole series. Um, his sister, just to comment on that for a bit, I, I felt like that character was, she was just like dropped in at times to be the bad person and then would be yanked out and, and it just she over was, and over it yeah. was that. It was a scene chewing villain. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think every Star Trek kind of needs one of those where it just kind of, it puts things off because she just, her entire motivation is, I wasn't driven crazy by this fucking thing that I saw. Right. Yeah. Thing that I can. Uh, and and that's where the one time where I, I feel like the actor, who, who the actress was playing her uh, was was uh, could actually. At first I thought, is this just a bad actress because she's like always over the top? But then when she when they show her before she has been exposed to the stuff, that's when I saw some nuance there, and I thought, oh okay, maybe it's maybe it's just the way the character's written is like this. Right. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Villain. Yeah. Yeah. If she wore hats, they would all be black. Right. <laughs> But it is uh, Star Trek, and it's yeah, fun. of course. Um, and and also like the whole plot of Picard kind of assembling his crew had I don't know almost like a an Ocean Eleven kind of let's get the we need a crew kind of let's go 
find spe- you know everything you know we need we need a wheel man we need the the specialist for the this it, it, it was i don't know that was kind of familiar but yet different for star trek and I'm yeah really you, different yeah yeah i'm glad you mentioned him assembling his crew because the next episode absolute candor uh is where we uh get to see him go to uh on the way to free cloud to pick up uh elnor and we also get to see picard dressed as hannibal lecter on the run uh, <laughs> <laughs> is this the one yeah this is the one where they're on um like the the colony right with all the, yes. the romulan refugees yes yeah talk about you know y'all mentioned earlier how star trek kind of holds a mirror up to what's happening in you know in the real world and this one i mean that that was pretty you know it wasn't all that subtle about what they were trying to say. <laughs> no. Well, also, too, like, Picard's a person who's used to being able to, like, he was a captain, well-respected, snap my fingers, get stuff done. Uh, Make it these so. Pe- he basically, like, yeah, he, these people basically feel like he turned – like, he didn't, but they felt like he turned his, their, his back on them. And to kind of see them even not trust him, it was very hard for me to see people not trust on Luke Picard. Yeah. yeah, especially the way the episode was structured, where is that done at the beginning where he was still like in his Starfleet uniform and everyone yeah. loved him. Right. So you got to see kind of the next chapter after after Nemesis, where he's still, you know, the good Captain Picard. And then before, you know, this turn where he kind of turned his back on everything. Following that, we had one of uh, – well, actually, in that episode, we get introduced to Seven of Nine again. But we also, uh, in the next episode, get to got, find out more about her uh, because we have Stardust City Rag where they get to Free Cloud. And there's a lot of uh, revelations about a lot of characters in this. Um, but it's also fun because you mentioned a heist movie before, but this one felt a lot like that, including Rios dressed as a pimp and French Picard, <laughs> which is funny for me to say because – he was Jean-Luc Picard with a British accent, but then he had a horrible French in this one. And I guess the the last episode, Absolute Candor and Start Stardust City Rag, those were the two. Those are two of the Jonathan Frakes directed episodes. Yeah. And I think you could definitely tell how comfortable Patrick Stewart as an actor is being directed by Jonathan Frakes because those are the two episodes I think where I don't know Jean-Luc like Patrick Stewart, Jean-Luc Picard just. I don't know. He, he it seemed like he felt I don't know. He almost exuded where he felt more comfortable, like in some of the just being the way that he played him. It's like there was just something different than the other two. Not that it was better, but I was just when I think it was just the fact that you know his old you know number ones behind the camera. Yeah, and he would have to be comfortable with the performance of you know of the, the French. French Picard, whatever. <laughs> I feel like that was addressing anyone who ever criticized the the, the British accent. They say, you want to see him do a French accent? Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> now let's get back to the British accent. <laughs> With the beret and the eye patch. <laughs> yeah. It was – this was one of my favorites, though, of the, of the episodes. I felt like it flew by. It was so different and – it had a little bit of comedic relief, but but did expose a lot of you know, or there was a lot of exposition in the about the different characters in it. So, yeah, um, yeah I liked it. Yeah. And what, what did y'all think about um, 
this new version of Seven of Nine that we're introduced to. I I liked it. I, I thought it was a, a strongly written character. Um, it I think it fit her personality, so it did sort of. Um, yeah, where we left off Seven of Nine, it, it felt like this is where she could end up, um, and you know, doing some good out there, but also being, you know, Seven of Nine. So. Right. And. Post-traumatic stress is what I would say with this too. It's a, I, I don't think there's a single character in the show that's not touched by some sort of post-traumatic stress. Seven of Nine, you know, being a, a part of the collective, being taken from your parents, uh, being out there in the Delta Quadrant, then coming back home, you're half what the Federation hates. You're just starting to learn emotions and, you know, you leave this crew and then this kind of stuff happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like... Jerry Ryan, too. Glenn said this the, the second uh, we saw this episode. Um, she's a Highlander or something. She does not age. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, ever <laughs> since Voyager ended. Her are working really well. Yeah, when Voyager ended, she's been holed up somewhere drinking unicorn blood this entire time. <laughs> but, You're right, yeah. But we also had the um, departure of uh, Icheb, a, a Voyager character, which was very surprising. Like, the, the graphicness of his his demise. Well, I mean, that also established, too, not that it, other episodes didn't, but, like, not even the Game of Thrones nature of this, but, like, the fact of the matter was this is a different show, and they're really saying anything can happen right now. The The show's kind of aged with the rest of us, I think, to a large degree. And if you're doing modern sci-fi now, sci-fi's place is mostly to, to, to give us morality plays that Roddenberry intended, um, which makes us think about things without preaching. And I think that this is kind of what this show has done, but it's gotten a lot more adult, which is kind of what I wanted from it. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, uh, the next episode is called The Impossible Box, where the crew actually get to the Borg Cube, um, which had one of my most tearful reunions so far oh is that with uh with hugh hugh and picard yeah wow right yeah that was was he the first and that we saw at least since this started kind of the first legacy character that picard encountered with the exception of dream data yeah this is the first so yeah that was i don't know this I don't know, it just sort of seemed like you could see, I don't know, Picard just seemed so proud of him when he saw the way he looked like now and what he was doing. Yeah. And then you get the, the juxtaposition with him meeting uh, Soji for the first time and that not going, like he, she doesn't immediately trust him. Unlike her right. sister who was basically like, yeah, I got to trust this guy I'm being told to. Sure. Um, yeah, that was, <laughs> this, this was a cool episode with the, all the stuff with, with the, the this I just love the look of the board cube the way they had it with the the you know the the because we've been on um the uh the ship uh Rios's ship for so long what, what was that one called again I can't even think yeah we were on that for so long and then seeing the board cube and just the scope of it and how you know it was half destroyed with the force fields everywhere it was just I don't know I just really like the set design when they got on there. Some, yeah. uh, with a video on YouTube, someone was bemoaning the fact that when they went to warp in this series, you didn't get the stars flying by. You got that, that warp effect from, like, the J.J. Uh, Abrams movies. 
And I'm kind of of the opinion that maybe they're in slipstream drive or some stuff now. <laughs> and that people are kind of over fucking thinking it. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> yeah. That little stuff doesn't bother me. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, it feels like the people who are complaining, well, the sets don't look like they did in the sixties. Well, that's <laughs> the budget right. in the sixties. Right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, so, you, know, you got uh, yeah. you got different looking looking Klingons in every iteration of Star Trek. So. Yeah. And if it's just remakes of everything, and we have to slavishly, you know, focus our attention on making it look like it did before, you're wasting time and not thinking yeah. about creatively how you can do other new things. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, you could always just go throw on a an old Blu-ray or go on. And watch watch old episodes. The reason that we want to keep moving forward is to see new things. So, yeah. Uh, and speaking of of new things, but this is old stuff. The next episode, uh, universally, I think, had a lot of uh, fans happy, which is Nepenthe. Oh, that 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 brought some emotion to the surface. This kind of reminded me of uh, the episode, the first episode after Best of Both Worlds, Brothers. Or oh, family. Family. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, this kind of reminded me a lot of that, where so you needed to catch your breath, but they also needed to give you these very, you know, poignant moments. So, uh, I mean, we get the Rikers, right? Which, yeah. yeah, which actually, I think Deadline did a Picard podcast after every episode, and just because I listened to that, I knew that Jonathan Frakes, like, when they first thought of the show, he was not supposed to act in it at all. They just mm-hmm. hired him to direct, like, three episodes, and it was like the writers were like, well, we have him here. Let's find a way to, to get him in. And he didn't have a whole lot of heads up that he was going to be returning to acting. And apparently Jonathan Frakes was terrified because <laughs> <laughs> he said Marina Sardis had just finished some play where she was killing it. And Patrick Stewart's kind of never gone away. And he had been doing so many things behind the characters. He had never acted in a, a while. But it was just I was so happy. To see, to see, to see yeah. him cooking, <laughs> making his pizzas. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why the pizza thing fit perfectly. It just felt like, <laughs> yes, this is what I would expect him to be doing on this planet. And just <laughs> everything too. Like he's he's from Alaska. He talked about you know rock climbing and stuff like that. It was literally where I kind of expected them to go. What's funny too is like their their daughter Kestra. Uh, when I heard the name, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because in the Titan novels, which follow him after, you know, Nemesis, uh, him and Troy have a daughter, and she's named after uh, after Tasha Yar. And I'm like, why the fuck would <laughs> – I, I didn't understand why that was the case, but this made a lot more sense. Plus the uh, tragic backstory with their son. Right. Well, okay, so this is uh... – I, I, I kind of read a lot of fan response to this episode because I loved it. And they had that whole backstory. I don't know. That was kind of a very divisive thing from what I read. Because from, I guess, the, the, the thought that a lot of people had, which this might be just a story we're not privy to, was that if there was a way for the Rikers to cure their son with this tech from um, – you know, from synthetics, because they said they showed before's dismantled body that it's just, I don't know, the, the epi- next gen episodes, like they said, well, you know, Worf would have showed up and definitely helped him, you know, break all the rules to do this. So, um, but then again, like I said, we're not kind of privy to what exactly happened. 
Yeah, I mean, there's that, but there's also the fact that he kind of says very clearly they went to that planet because it was supposed to help, and it just right. did. They they had some choices, and they went with this one, the path of least resistance. I think it's more telling, though, that like this was worth him giving up his command. And okay. I don't know how long he spent on the Titan if that was his only ship, but like the fact of the matter is you know, Captain Riker steps down from being Captain Riker because he needs to take care of his son. Yeah. Which, that's a very Will Riker thing for me. But like you said, you know, comparing it to that episode Family, it's sort of like, what would Picard do if he was in that situation where he was literally in a room with a machine that, you know, all right, you can go one, y'all, y'all can go one place right now. But once you're there, I mean, you have to figure out what to do. He would go and find somebody where, you know, that he runs to his family. And, I mean... I mean, if I had that machine, I would certainly go find Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> He's a hurricane of a man. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, we've we, called him that. Yeah. We, we've been cooking a lot during quarantine and I made we made um, tomato basil pizza, but we couldn't find that weird Bunny venomous ball. sausage. <laughs> We just use salami. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next episode is, uh, and they leave the Penthes called Broken Pieces. Um, and this is the one where, like, a lot of the, the secrets behind the attack on Mars is revealed and some of the, the, the other secrets. Um, but there's some stuff that happens, including the, the spacing of all those Borg that you'd mentioned earlier. Right. It's also where we kind of discover that, you know, Soji's got a home world and that they're on their way to it. I don't think that this isn't the one where we meet the the actual her brothers and sisters. No, it's not. But uh, no, that yeah, that's yeah. the second to last one. Because yeah, this one is episode. Which that number was, is this one? That was episode eight. I'm sorry. Number eight. So um, yeah, this is seven of nine's like badass become the kind of mini board queen moment. Yeah, and I like what they did with the the Romulans too. I mean, it's not just this episode, but <clears throat> I, I feel like they they could have just made the Romulans a, a typical you know bad guy race, but uh, apparently there's some depth there too, you know, and, and it comes from Nemesis a little bit. But there's there's just more complexity, like the the the, the nuns, right? That that are yeah, like there's so much that they're adding here to what I thought was okay. We know the Romulans. But we actually don't. There's so much more there in this layer beyond the Tal Shiar, you know, that that's so the, the Zadvash or whatever. Um, I, I just like that they kept adding to to something that I thought was already pretty well formed, but there's more there. You bring up a good point because, like, I think in terms of like the cultural diversity of what we've been exposed to in a lot of the Star Trek races, I can't think of anyone other than like the Ferengi, maybe. That we've been we've gotten to see a lot of the ins and outs of their culture, like the Klingons to a degree. They spent a lot of time with it, but the Romulans were always just like, oh, they're kind of Vulcans with feelings, and they're you know it, we didn't really get a lot of of insight into who they were. So like you're saying, I, I think this adds a lot of dimension to them and gives us these yeah. segments of their society. Even the Remans even did that, knowing the Remans existed was a uh, was a big thing. No right and. On that Picard podcast, the writers of the show said that um, they always viewed what, what re- watching all the old Star Treks. You know, the the Klingons were the normal villains, and they said they always viewed them as like 
the mirror to Soviet Russia, you know, back in the in the eighties and nineties. And they always viewed the Romulans as more as like Ming's, you know, like China, where they close the doors. You don't know what's there. Like their currency is almost secrets. So now that the planet's gone, it was very interesting, like you said, to uh, to find out more about their culture. And you're, I'm glad you brought up the um, the warrior nuns because that is such a cool idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they have to tell the truth, which That's is right. so opposite of what you expect from from Romulans, right? Is yeah. uh, being right. devious and secretive, and yeah, um, I, yeah, it, it could have come off like weirdly comical in a way of like having these nuns who <laughs> tell the truth and, and are you know kind of fight uh, with swords yeah. fight with swords right but I, I don't know why but I was like oh yeah totally believable yeah it worked oh uh, absolutely it's, it's a missed opportunity for Whoopi Goldberg to have actually uh, been working with those warrior nuns <laughs> yeah that's true they well, Guinan's gonna have to show up in season two. She, well, we, she is. You saw is the, she? the quest? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Stewart okay, was doing an episode of what was the View, right? The View, yeah. She's a, she's a, like the main host of the View, and he went on the View to be interviewed about the show, and he asked her on live television, invited her to be in season two. Oh, nice. Okay, I didn't know about this. I haven't read a whole lot about it after. Awesome. Yeah. Now I will say, knowing there was a season two. Well, we'll get to it in a second. It sort of undercut the final episode for me by – Yeah. I, like, I was like, oh, I, I know there's a season two, so right. – Well, I mean, I guess we should – we haven't even talked about that. Picard's uromotic syndrome, it didn't really like uh, – like they didn't call it by name, but like it, it popped back up, and he's terminal. Right, which that that was kind of a hanging thread from Next Gen that I didn't think we were ever going to hear about again. His, me neither, his, yeah. His, his defect. That was like right. the, uh, the, the warp speed limit. Oh they just, yeah, they, they, they just they, kind of they forgot about that. They called it a day. Yeah, <laughs> they fixed that. They got faster. Because at this point, Picard, he's in his nineties, right? Ninety-four, yeah. Yeah. So, and <laughs> which is you know interesting, but yeah, I'm glad you 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 brought up the the aromatic syndrome, but yeah, that was a that was an interesting choice to make where he he literally had nothing to lose at that point yeah the uh the next episodes are two-parter uh it's et in arcadia ego parts one and two which is the penultimate and ultimate episode of season one it's when we finally uh reach the inhabitant uh, inhabitants of soji's home planet and we find out some interesting things about them it, two by two <laughs> <laughs> well the thing for me was that the entire time I kept thinking, you know, basically like Bruce Maddox made all these copies of Data, and I was like, how is that going to work? Um, but I didn't realize it was going to going to have another soon. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I didn't expect that either. Didn't expect it, but was so happy to see him there because yeah. I think he was constricted as Data to 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 having you know what we know as Data, not having a lot of emotion and and also being in a dreamlike state most of the time when we see Data. So. Um, Getting to see Brent Spiner actually like expand into Soon, which I love all the Soongs from <laughs> the previous iterations of Soongs. So it was good to see that. I'm, I love that they brought them in there and didn't just take Brent Spiner and say, okay, go behind a mask or by, you know, behind yeah. the makeup. And I'm glad you brought that up. Do you think that just from a performance wise, he seemed a little more natural because he was not 
like he didn't have those big yellow contacts and I, I think there's back hair. also the fact that like he like he would not have come back if they hadn't like he wanted to finish that story for data because again he's getting older like that you saw like the makeup effect and we'll get to that in the when in the last episode but like the makeup effects is only so long you can have him look like he is an android that never ages so uh the concept of having him be these different soons i really I, I like that a whole lot but uh you know, as someone who desperately wanted Data to be in that body at the end, um, right. what they wound up doing, I think, touched me in a way I didn't expect. Uh, yeah. You know, Data, Data's whole conversation with Picard about things. It's like, you know, it, would, do you think that uh, he would? It, I would have thought twice if you know, it made the same decision. It's it's just it's 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 a very philosophical season, and that's the best kind of Star Trek for me. Which is why Glenn and I have talked about this before. I don't understand a lot of the hate because, yes, while it is different, um, the core of what it is is Star Trek. Yeah. I think two things there. I think some of the hate comes from because it doesn't look like it's a Navy ship with, like, pristine flooring and everybody in, like, nice, you know, jumpsuits type type style, you know. Um, If you want that now, go watch the Orville. That's what I would say. (laughs) It's a good show, right? Um, this This is where Star Trek is evolving to, which is, I think, good um and you know i mentioned it before nemesis it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth part and maybe part of why i didn't like it was because i didn't like how data story ended there it just seemed a little abrupt and and that's understated um so here yeah you get like a real good ending it almost feels like a redo where they say here's how we can really end data and that that was it felt emotional it felt real uh, it felt like a good ending to the character, especially when he's he's finally discovering like the final point of humanity, right? And he's getting that that piece. So it's like, how can that? How can you not be a Star Trek fan and not not you know feel something at that point? Uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, one character that I don't think we've mentioned this whole time is what do you what did y'all think about Doctor Girardi, played by Allison Pill, in this? I mean, her relationship with Maddox, and just, I mean, it just, I don't know, she, she's the one character, I, I still don't know how quite I feel about her. I compl- I would echo that. I don't like, that. the reason we probably haven't talked about her is because there's, I, I saw a lot of the things with her coming, like it's, oh, she's going to do this, oh, she's going to do that, and I think she was kind of a plot device in many respects, which is, I mean, Allison yeah. Pill's a great actress, and I, I don't, like, you know, I, I can't wait to see her in season two and what they're going to do with her, and the lasting effects of you know, her killing Bruce Maddox. Um, but I mean, you see the other performances that she was against and like, you know, you have Michelle Hurd as Rafi, who is an incredibly complex and the first like drug addict you see in, in Star Trek. Uh, and you have, you know, Isa Briones is, uh, is, is Soji and all the other characters, evil Soji, gold Soji, <laughs> the gold Soji. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just like I think all these like really strong female performances, not that Allison Pill did bad with the role. It just I don't think the role was all that. It, was it wasn't much. Speak. Right. Yeah. It just wasn't much there. And and of course, she's going to have the turn where she's the one who killed Bruce Maddox. Like and, and it not even make a whole lot of sense to me. Like maybe if they could have said, uh, OK, she did this mind meld and, and, and was in a way controlling her. But but more it was just she did it because she's seen the possible future. Yeah. So weird. I just finished watching devs and she's in it. And so there's <laughs> some weird parallels there with, I don't want to spoil anything with devs, but um, good, 
she's a good actress. It, it just I don't think it was a good. Well, like role. what you just said, like her reaction to seeing this is to kill Bruce Maddox. Why didn't she kill herself? Yeah, I mean, right. there could have been so many other choices. <laughs> they really, I, yeah, I just, I think story-wise, it was kind of she was written into a corner. Yeah, and I, I thought they would keep Bruce Maddox around a little more. I, but I guess they just need to get rid. Of, I don't know. Well, I haven't yeah, really thought about it too much. Kind of like I, I think they served their purpose. The fact that Bruce Maddox was brought back at all—he was a character in one episode of the show, where right. actually physically, but like Data kept the correspondence with him, so I think he he served his story purpose. Um, but I think you know the final episode has a moment that I literally jumped up and and put my fist in the air, which is the arrival of this you know fleet of ships from Starfleet, and at the helm of it all is. A wonderfully nice trimmed <laughs> Riker, all in his spacesuit. Which apparently that was a very last minute reshoot. Yeah. I found that because it was supposed to be that female admiral that Picard had been dealing with. She was supposed to be the one leading the fleet, but I think the everyone's reaction of seeing, you know, everyone wanted to see Riker in the suit. Yeah. They wanted everyone's been wanting to see Captain Riker for so long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I really that was great. The Titan was is around somewhere, but I I would much rather have gotten to actually see the Titan. But the fact that he's on this new whatever class ship, uh, it's also kind of the first. I think it's the first like real Starfleet ship we saw this season. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think you're right. Craft. All right, because yeah, all the other ships they were, yeah, they they the ship design was interesting this season where it was you know the um this kind of Millennium Falcon-esque kind of Firefly-type ship. Yeah, was, I was going to say Firefly, yeah. If, yeah. Uh, especially since they the way they shot it, like, going through, they would, like, walk behind the character, and it felt like, I, I don't know the specifics, but it looked like the set was actually fully built out, like, maybe two levels where they could follow the characters around. So kind of like they did in Firefly, where it was a big, giant set, and they would camera would follow it. But even the, yeah, it just had that kind of world of I was going to say, if I, if there's an overarching thing for me, it's less of that um, Navy-style Star Trek and more of that ragtag Firefly crew kind of uh, feel for the for the show, which I think is fine. Uh, right, and, and like speaking of Firefly, when we first started watching the show, when Raj and Soji were like activated, did that not remind you a little bit of uh, River? When yeah, she would like yeah, snap sure. and start like doing martial arts. Right. Yeah, it, it's true. I think there was some influence there. Yeah. So uh, overall, this season, uh, what did you guys think overall? First season one, I thought it was it was great. Um, and this one, I will say that the, the the people behind this, they, I'm sure they felt some pressure because like, okay, we're gonna do this new thing called Star Trek Discovery. It's all new characters. We got to convince people to watch it. But like. You say you're bringing Jean-Luc Picard back, you're going to have all eyes on you. Yeah, built-in audience. Yeah, and just and if you – Yeah, yeah, I mean if you if you mess up a character this iconic, I mean people would be surrounding their, their homes. But um, I mean it wasn't – was it a perfect season? No, but it's a season one, and um, I mean it hooked me in for season two. I think it's yeah. a, probably the most even Star Trek season one that there's been. 
I mean, with the exception, I think Enterprise maybe had a more cohesive thing because the internet. A lot of those original shows, it took a season or two for them to really find their footing. And this is kind of, I think it knows more of who it is than most other shows did. Yes, it's a strong season one, clearly. Uh, and for season two, like Colin said. Um, there, I feel like if, if there's some criticisms of it, it's there's so much in this series that in, in just 10 episodes, I, I, I know 10 episodes is kind of like the thing now with modern television, but it seems like you you could have maybe spent a little more time in some places. Like I wanted to learn a little more and bam, they're off <laughs> and they're in somewhere else. But you know, it's season one and who knows if they'd have gotten a season two and it's a full story and it makes sense. So. Well, that that's brings up a great point. So uh, that we'll kind of end the discussion with, but like, what are your hopes for season two? What do you want to see? It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we're in full spoilers to see Picard adjust to this new synthetic body that he's in and yeah. that's gonna right. but um do you think that's gonna be a like a plot thing i didn't know if it was more just thrown in there so that we could cure that disease that we have holding you know that thread that's held here or if it's <laughs> gonna be a thing now that you know that's a good point because i don't know, you reminded me of um this is gonna be a weird comparison but in uh back to the future part two when doc brown said he had that weird speech about him getting his colon replaced and changing his blood and everything just so Christopher Lloyd didn't need to stay in that makeup the whole time. And, I mean, it was just such a throwaway line, but then they never referenced it again. Um, and they may do the same thing. Okay, well, now we don't have to worry about the aromatic syndrome or the robotic heart or anything like that. He's just in a new body. Let's not mention it again. <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh... – if we're at any other show, I think you might you might be right. I, I don't know though. I think this one they might address. I mean, with the, with the whole subplot being that the synthetics were banned, there's still a lot of prejudice there. And I mean, this is a show you talk even on Next Gen, they they dealt with the prejudice against Cardassians or or things like that. So I have enough faith in this that that's going to be touched upon because they're going to be people that don't think of him as Picard. Yeah, they're going to say yeah. Picard died on that planet. And the yeah. more importantly, do you think we'll get any more giant flowers swallowing ships? <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> um, I, I really like – one thing that had me very concerned, and apparently a lot of other people concerned, were, were the fact that like Geordi was supposed to be on Utopia Planitia shipyards on Mars uh, and whatnot, and we're all worried that he was swept up in that attack. Um, I'm hearing LeVar Burton should be back for season two. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also the thing that I thought was interesting, though, I didn't really think about this until I was kind of reading some kind of think pieces around the um, the AI from the future that was going to come and annihilate the human race. Do you all think that was V'ger? It's a possibility is that would kind of tie it into the to the canon. And I, I mean, I've heard some things about Star Trek Discovery season two possibly being tied into that creature. So it's. And it's an interesting little canon, you know, shared universe. I think it's also telling, too, uh, we got this confirmed in a canon force uh, that went along with the show. But like, the fact that Worf was captain of the Enterprise E after Picard left, uh, I'd like to see where Worf is now. So would it be would Enterprise F be flying around right now? According to Star Trek Online, either Enterprise F is about to launch or it is currently in service at the time of Picard. Okay. 
it's got to make an appearance, right? Yeah. yeah. I so, think they, they need to save that for, like, the end of Season 2. So, other than Guinan, do you all think we're going to see some more legacy characters in Season 2? I don't think they're going to overdo it, but I think, I mean, we're going to have to get a Will Riker. I, I, I want to know how long he holds on to that uh, acting captain role. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I, we definitely have a Guinan, but I think we're going to at least get Worf and, and uh, Jory. Do you think we'll ever get an appearance by Q? Um, I think it'll be further down the line, if anything. I think Q makes it too easy. Yeah. How we saw Q yeah. was in Voyager, and you know. Yeah, that, he know, he never did appear in Enterprise. You're right. No. It tends to be centered. Episodes tend to be centered around him. I mean, I know it was episodic or right. episodic back in DS9 and, and uh, Voyager days, but yeah, it it might take the focus off. I would love to see him again. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you'd work it in. Yeah. And at this point, <laughs> seven of nine is just part of the crew, right? Yeah. And that's another Same point, like too, where the, where the characters end up in this last season. Um, some of the, the – at the end, the, the shots, I guess, I mean, we're, we were given certain evidence of things, but, like, I don't – like the Rafi and seven of nine relationship or the, <laughs> the Gerardi and uh, – and, and, uh, Rios relationship. I mean, Rios and Gerardi had, like, a flirtation or whatever, but, like – I, I, I don't think we needed the, oh, guess what? And by the way, they're together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, it must, some things must have hit the cutting room floor, right? Because especially the seven of nine and Rafi one was like, wait, wait, what? Did I just see? Why are they? <laughs> where, yeah. Like, I didn't see any evidence of it, or maybe I missed it. But at least with, with uh, Gerardi, I saw the evidence there. Yeah. But um, all, all for it. Just want, just want to see some, you know, the evidence, right? I would much rather have seen it. Like all the relationships I'm used to on Star Trek have developed over several episodes. That's just kind of what took me aback. It's like all this is like this yeah. is the new status quo. Right, because that's it's not so much like a crew now. Now it's like the cast of Friends going through space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. But it does seem well, like a crew, so I think they're, that's where they're gonna they're gonna go with season two. They're gonna fly around and do stuff but do you think it's going to be more like a firefly kind of thing where or guardians of the galaxy ish where it's sort of like do you want to do something good bad kind of in the middle or do you think it's going to go more towards a starfleet like picard trying to get back what he lost i i don't i have to suspect that it's going to kind of be like they're the new valkyr like like you know how seven of nine was was it valkyries that they were calling them or oh the the rangers uh, yeah, whatever the the shit. There was some name Fenris. Yeah, Fenris. Yeah, like if if they're uh, I think they're gonna be kind of like that with like they accept different missions because Rios is definitely like he likes having a captain, but it's like he was, which is kind of weird for me too to think that he was paid for for everything. Right. That's funny, but maybe he paid him in uh, wine from his menu. Or gold pressed latinum. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Because, yeah, this first season's featured so much around synthetics. It's going to be interesting to see kind of what season two surrounds because um, they yeah. kind of wrapped up the whole thing with synthetics. If it's going to be something else that kind of ties into the next gen, like, I mean, the synthetics are from data or if they're going to go something fresh. Well, gentlemen, this has been a spirited discussion. Yeah, it was fun. I look yeah. forward to the next one for the end of season two, maybe even for the start of season two. Yeah, let's yeah, let's do it. All yeah. right.
Thank, thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, no, well, thank you for, for joining us. This yeah, is thanks for joining us. Can include other people. But um, so uh, before we end, what was y'all's favorite episode? Hmm. Now that we went through them all. Excellent question. I gotta go with the final because of all of the wrap up with data. You know, that's I feel like that's my. That was like the biggest emotional moment for me. I like seeing so many other parts of the series, but uh, yeah, that helped. Uh, I'm kind of with you on that. It's like it's almost like Return of the King for Lord of the Rings, where there's a lot of fan service and payoff moments, but it's like that's what makes it the most enjoyable. So I'd, I'd probably have to agree with you. That finale was my favorite. Yeah, and especially if you think of the the last two as like a movie, that was that was pretty epic. But I don't know. There's something about Nepenthe and that whole the whole story with you know revisiting the Rikers and with uh, you know their their kids and everything. I just I, I think I, that's the only episode I think I watched more than once. So I think I, I'd oh, still have to go with. I mean, that was a great episode. Yeah, I think I'd still have yeah. to go with Nepenthe. But yeah. um, yeah, it was a good season. All right. Well, that will do it for us for this special episode. Uh, it's been fun. Please remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe if you haven't. Smash that like button and all that good jazz. So this has been Greg. Glenn. And Neil. We'll see you next time.